Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com you're the mom the maid the keeper of the cookies you do it all and you look good doing it it's parenthood on a mother level here's your host denise hanitka Hi, everybody. I'm Denise Hanitka, and you are listening to On a Mother Level. This is episode 78. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here, and thank you for sharing it with a friend. And to all my mamas out there, a happy Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day week, and I am happy that you are here celebrating the beauty that is motherhood with me. You know, if you look on social media, you'll see all those posts that are like, just give me a dark room and an ambient, and that's how I want to celebrate Mother's Day. And it's fun to joke around and laugh like that, but I thought this would be a great opportunity to share that universal feeling that we all had before we became moms, and that is that feeling of hope, the promise that we were going to expand our families and be the best parents that we could possibly be and live out this dream that so many of us have to be a mom and raise a family. And it's that hope that I think gets us through really hard days, right? Mother's Day can also be a hard day if all you have is hope. And you're hoping that one day you can be a mom. You're hoping that one day you'll hear the words, you're pregnant. You're hoping that one day that test comes back positive. And so today's episode is that story of hope. And it features my friend Brittany. My friend Brittany I met when she was working here at Channel 8. And she eventually went on to marry my other friend from Channel 8, Jason. Jason was my co-anchor for about three years. Brittany was a reporter. And so about three years ago, they got married. I was there on their beautiful wedding day. And, you know, I heard a little bit here and there. But I wasn't sure exactly what they had gone through. Until Brittany shared a video on social media recently. It was a letter to her baby boy explaining the road that they had been down in their hope of one day starting a family. And it touched me for several reasons. Number one, I so appreciate when any mom shares their raw and authentic journey. And number two, it reminded me of writing a letter to my baby boy. It was couple nights before Abram was born, and it was a full moon. And, you know, so everyone always said, like, oh, full moons bring babies. And so I sat out under the full moon, and I wrote him a letter just about how I felt knowing 
that my due date was just days away and that potentially this full moon would <laughs> bring him into the world. And not surprisingly, it did. He was born, uh, I think it was probably less than 48 hours later. I know that. I don't know the exact laboring math and such. But, but maybe you did too. Maybe you wrote a letter to your baby before they were born. And so it just seems fitting to dedicate this episode to that hope, to the moms out there who want to be, who are hoping to be, and to the moms out there who are every day fighting to be the best mom that they can be. The first thing I'm going to do is play for you that letter uh, that Brittany wrote and posted on her Instagram. You can go to her Instagram, which I will tell you about later, and you can watch it um, and see all the beautiful pictures that she shares as well. But I want you to listen to it. It's her version of the story, very condensed. And then in our interview, we're going to break it down because I actually haven't done an episode with someone who's been through IVF before. And so it might be a very relatable story to some of you. And it might be like for me, a learning process where you really got to understand what IVF is all about. I remember, gosh, a thousand years ago now, my first experience of hearing about IVF was when Juliana and Bill Rancic talked about it on their reality show like a billion, billion years ago. Remember the E! News host? They had a little reality show and they were one of the first people to really talk about IVF. And then there was a little talk about IVF on Friends, but that was just like the beginning of the conversation. And now there are moms out there like Brittany who are willing to share their story so that the next person who comes along and who goes through IVF knows they aren't alone. And that's what this podcast is all about. No matter what you're going through as a mom, you're not alone. We can relate. Here we go with Brittany for our Mother's Day episode. So first her letter and then the interview. A letter to my baby boy. Hi, it's your mom. Sometimes it still doesn't feel real to say or write that. Some days I didn't know if I would get to. We needed some help to get here, and it all took place during a global pandemic. Because of that, your dad had to stay in the car for appointments, but at home, he turned into the ultimate nurse. He gave me all the shots I needed, and there were a lot. The shots helped my body produce as many of its eggs as possible. There were ultrasounds and blood draws, and when the doctor said things looked good to go, we took a trip to Chicago to retrieve the eggs. I got to wear a gown and hairnet, and they put me to sleep. When I woke up, they told me they got 11 eggs. But not all the eggs made it through the fertilization and growth process. So by the end of the week, we ended up with one miracle embryo, you. We wanted to make sure you were as healthy as could be, so we had some testing done. It took two weeks for the results, and those two weeks dragged on. My hand started shaking as soon as I knew it was the clinic calling. You might be able to hear it in my voice. I wanted to call and give you some good news with your PGT results. Oh, good. I'm going to start crying. It's okay, but yes, you guys have a normal embryo that we recommend transferring. That's really great news. Thank you so much. Once we knew you were healthy, we did a second round of shots because you just never know how things are going to go with all of this. We went back to Chicago for the egg retrieval, and again, they got 11 eggs. And again, when all was said and done, we ended up with one embryo. That little babe is in safekeeping for now. Our attention then turned back to you and what we could do to make sure this would all work. I had one more procedure. Science is amazing, and doctors were able to do some testing to see exactly how much medicine I needed to give you the best chance of sticking around. Once we got those results, we moved forward with the biggest step, the transfer, bringing you back to me. 
That required about a month's worth of shots. And then one week before Christmas, we went back to Chicago. I got to put on another gown and hairnet, but this time I got to stay awake so I could see the very moment you got to come back to me. Shooting star you saw her? That was it. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. I wished upon that shooting star and prayed a lot that this would all work. We wouldn't know for 10 more days, the longest 10 days of my life. I worried about everything. I even worried about worrying. Fortunately for me and you, you have the most calm, reassuring, and positive dad. He had no doubt that when we went in for a blood draw on December 28th that we would get good news. One hour and 15 minutes later, the clinic called with the results. I don't remember much else after she told me the words I'd waited to hear for so long. I did, however, record the moment I told your grandma a few hours later. Because you're going to be a grandma. Wait, what? I already know. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> your other grandparents cried, too. You were already so loved. We had a few more steps to go, an ultrasound at six weeks, eight weeks, and ten. I got to see your heartbeat then. At 12 weeks, I got to hear it, and again at 16, the sweetest sound I've ever heard. We're now 20 weeks along, with about 20 more to go. And I hope you know that I already very much love being your mom. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm great. I, um... Did a story about vaccines happening at a bar. <laughs> so that was fun. And everyone was in a good mood and music. I was like, oh, I just want to like hang out on the patio. So yeah. Does that feel like a very Wisconsin story? Because it is. <laughs> and of course, this is like on Brady Street where all these, you know, pretty fun bars are. And so it was a pretty lively crowd. Um, I think they only ended up giving like, maybe 30 people the vaccine all day but <laughs> but the one guy so I was live at five and or like 505 of course the guy got the shot at like 502 and I was like dang it that would have been so good to get him in the background because right after he goes all right I'm gonna go get a beer <laughs> <laughs> the lady's like but make sure you hydrate as well <laughs> this guy doesn't care I was like I'm pretty sure he's drunk right now See, and the Iowa version of that story is Governor Reynolds just came out today and said that she wants clinics to be at the farmer's markets. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever the people are, I suppose. Yeah, you got to meet them where they're at. I was trying to figure out when the last time it was that I saw you in person. I think it was probably my wedding. It had to have been, right? Coming up on three years. Yeah. Which you may or may not have known at your wedding, I was like delightfully bloated and seven weeks pregnant. (laughs) That makes me so happy because Jenna was also pregnant, but she didn't know yet. (laughs) That is so funny. Yeah, because it's, let's see, her or Everett and Jack are a month, maybe not even. Mm, That makes sense then. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like seven weeks. So I was like very, very, very early. Um, But I knew. So, Uh, oh, that makes me happy that that was happening. Yeah. But it was, it was very difficult, you know, to be around like that group of people. Oh my gosh. Of course. Of course. I feel like I might've heard that you were pregnant at that time. (laughs) Yeah. And it was, um, cause Angie eventually did call me out on it. Like at the end of the night, like she was like, all right, 
how pregnant are you? I was like, damn it. (laughs) And you're like at that stage where you can like kind of hide it still, depending on what you're wearing or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, like at seven weeks, you're just like, like, I just got a positive test, you know, like a day ago, you know? So you just, I don't know, but it's all different though, when you are doing IVF. It sure is. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I really want to like start from the beginning and like break this whole thing down. I've actually never done an episode with someone who's gone through IVF. So oh, I'm so glad you're doing this then. Thank you for having me on. And I think it's, it's actually surprising to me now that I've been through it, how many people I know or know through someone else that has gone through it. So I feel like it is important to talk about and I'm glad that you're giving your podcast this spotlight for IVF. I think it's important to acknowledge there are all different kinds of ways to create families. And um, the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it and the more that there is no reason to not share it. So you, you shared one post kind of early on in the process when you were doing a retrieval. And anybody who follows you on social media knows that you're not like, this is my meal for today. Like you're not like, you're not a daily poster. You're not even a monthly poster. So I feel like it was a, probably a big deal for you to even share that much. Do you remember that post? Yes, I do remember it. And I remember thinking about it because so that was our, we were starting our second round of IVF. So we had done the first round and we ended up with one healthy embryo then, but my issue is I have poor egg quality and not a lot of eggs in the reserve. So my doctor suggested that we do another round just as kind of like a, as family planning, or maybe the first one wouldn't work. So let's see if we can get some more for the future. And at that point, how long had it been in the, it was almost like, I don't know, like six, seven months into the pandemic. And I was like, I've been doing this, you know, the whole time really. And I just felt like, okay, I'm, I'm, I want to let people know that this is, that I'm doing this not so much for me, but I had realized going through what I had gone through that there really is kind of a community of women that lift each other up when they're going through it. And I thought maybe if I shared, there might be someone who doesn't have someone that they can talk to, or I I was fortunate, Jason, one of Jason's friends had gone through it. So she would text me after every appointment, how were, how were things looking? And it was so helpful for me to be like, I don't, I don't understand these numbers. Like, is this good? Is this bad? This is happening with my body. Is this what's supposed to be happening? And she was so helpful. And so I was like, if I can help, you know, someone in that way, by posting or sharing, then, then I should do that. And then I actually did get a message from someone that I have known for 15 years and we kind of lost touch just as people do. And she was like, your post made me cry because I'm about to start IVF. And, you know, so we reconnected that way. And now our babies are going to be born like two weeks apart from each other. And it's just been so cool to, to, we actually found out we were pregnant on the same day. Wow. (laughs) So crazy because this is someone I had grown up with and like, you know, I hadn't really talked to her that much in the last few years. And so now we text all the time. And just when she was going through the process, you know, we would text and I was going through it too. So we would text each other and check in. And so I think by sharing that, I was able to at least connect with her. And I know that other people have reached out with questions and things like that. And 
And that's really why I wanted to do it. Well, bottom line is you are officially a part of this like village of motherhood where like you don't have to have talked to someone since you were a kid or you don't have to have ever talked to someone ever. And suddenly you're like united by this like monumental experience. It's like, it's truly been the most incredible thing for me to discover that women want to connect with each other because of motherhood. Especially when you're going through it the first time or even second, whatever, every experience is different. And to be able to talk to people and ask questions and to relate and be like, okay, so I'm not the only one experiencing that. Or, you know, even like for me, like I've started to put together um, like my registry. And so I've just texted all my mom friends, like, Hey, what do I need? And it's so much more helpful than going and searching on Google or blogs or whatever, you know, it's just nice to have that. So yeah, it's definitely like a fun and cool community to be a part of. And I'm glad to be a part of it. Let's go all the way back. And how did you discover, first of all, that you would need to take the road of IVF? We started trying. So our wedding was June 16th, 2018. And I actually stopped taking birth control like that morning because I was like, whoa, let's do this, (laughs) right? We're going to be married. Here's what happens now. And so we weren't really trying. And then I would say... And I started, you know, getting the ovulation kits and tracking things and it just wasn't working. So that January, 2019, no, 2020, <laughs> what year are we on? January, 2020, I just went to like an OBGYN. Cause I was like, I don't even know where to start. Right. Like, do I go to a fertility clinic right away? Like, what do I do? So I reached out to um, a doctor and, and we hadn't even lived here that long. So I didn't even have an established OBGYN. So I just found who was ever available as soon as possible. Cause I was like, I just want to get the ball rolling and figure out what's going on here. And I actually had a male doctor and he was so, so kind, like our first appointment, you know, he talked about some options, but then he was like, I know this is probably really hard for you. And I just like started crying. Cause it was less, you know, you're like talking about it out loud and, you know, you have these feelings that you're feeling inside, but when you're talking about it out loud, you know, it all comes out. So anyway, he, put me on. And I don't even remember. I should, I should know this, but it was something similar to Clomid. He wanted to see okay. if I was ovulating or what was happening, even though I knew I was just based on how things were going. So I was on that for maybe a couple months. And then we did an ultrasound on my uterus because they wanted to see if there was anything going on there. And there was like, it was like slightly heart shaped. So they wanted to do another ultrasound. Well, at that time I got a bill in the mail and it was quite high and I was like that's weird and I called my insurance and they're like well you need to actually be seeing a specific doctor for this and I was like okay had no idea that that was even a thing like we had to go through a specific clinic a different insurance that was part of our insurance so weird and I'm like okay why I mean I guess I didn't do my research really before I started looking into this but I just thought you know you go to your doctor it's under your network you're good so anyway we figured out when you go to this different clinic and to be honest I was so annoyed because I was like oh my gosh we've already gotten this far in the process I don't want to have to start all over so anyway I, I scheduled an appointment with this clinic and I walked in and I was like wait this place is so cute <laughs> it has <laughs> furniture it had Keurig and the best part was on the TV they had Spectrum News which is the station Jason works for and I was like okay maybe this is a sign that I'm supposed to be here so then the nurse takes me back to the room 
And it's not like a hospital or clinic room. It's not like cold and a terrible, like fluorescent lighting. It's just the cutest furniture, cutest decor. And I'm like, okay, I'm already liking this place. <laughs> and then my doctor walks in and she is like the coolest looking person I've ever seen. She's, she's probably your height. She's got these high-waisted pants on, short haircut. She just looks so sophisticated. And I'm like, okay, if this is the woman that's like going to be taking care of me and helping me on this process, I think I'm in good hands. Yeah. So she already had some documents that I had and she looked at my my blood work. And, and I was like, well, the doctor that I talked to said everything looks normal. And she was like, well, actually, I'm kind of concerned about bl- your blood work results. And it was the AMH um, hormone, to, which signifies, you know, how much is in your ovarian reserve. And that was l- on the lower end. It's not like it was, it was empty, but it was lower. So I did one more ultrasound with her. Then we had a consultation. And I think at that point it might've been online. Like we were just starting the pandemic. Okay. She just said, you know, I think with your condition, IVF is probably the best route. She's like, we could do IUI, but I don't know if it'll work and it w- might waste your time. And if I'm being honest, I think you need to just go right to IVF. And, and I was like, okay, well, cause at that time they weren't having, you know, everyone come into the clinic. So I was like, am I going to have to wait? Like, you know, yeah, that- wasn't that considered elective? Yeah. So she was actually like, well, I I'm actually concerned enough about your numbers that like, I want to get you in as soon as possible. Oh, so wow. we got to start right away. Okay. So let's pause right there. So while you're like, while you're just before you had started going to the doctor, you're in that like year and a half of like trying period. I know when I was going through that, it's like, you don't know when to panic. Like, how did that, uh, like the evolution go for you where you're like, okay, we'll keep trying. Well, I mean, maybe um, we should probably, you know, like how did, how did that time pass for you? Yeah. I think I probably knew after like, honestly, four or five months, I don't know why I just had this feeling like, okay, it's not working yet. I'm a relatively healthy person. My cycle is normal. If we're following a schedule that should work, it's not working. Like, so I was starting to get frustrated pretty early on, but you know, you read anything and it's like, okay, just wait and you know, it might take a year. So I was like, okay, let me, let us like try actually for a year. And then when we get to that mark, if it hasn't worked, then I'll go see someone. So that was kind of my, my guiding timeline. But I feel like pretty early on, I just had an idea that it was, yeah wasn't going to work the way I was hoping it would work. So how was Jason handling that whole process? I mean, you know, as you're like, ah, shoot, like another month, another month has passed. Like how, what are the conversations between the two of you? Like, well, you know, he's like the um, calmest person. That ever <laughs> so I'm like, like, great. Let's try again. Oh my gosh. And it was, yeah, he exactly. He'd be like, well, I don't really think we have anything to worry about. And meanwhile, I'd be like freaking out. Like, <laughs> you know, some days I wouldn't like, you don't get your period, but you know, it's coming. That would happen. And I feel like I would always be in a bad mood that day. <laughs> like, sure. And I would bring it up and he would be like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, but you know, I, it just, it's going to work, you know, next time. Like he was always just super, super positive, which I definitely needed. I don't think it would have been helpful if we were both not to say that I was a Debbie downer. I was just starting to worry. And I think it would have 
it would not have helped if we were both like that. So he was definitely like really positive and was just always like, whatever you need to do. <laughs> like, you know, if I would be like, okay, the stick says we have to go today, you know, <laughs> like he was like, okay, whatever. Like he just was happy to do whatever I needed to wanted to keep me happy throughout this entire process. And he did a good job of that. Yeah. For sure. Well, and it's hard when you're so like in tune with your body, you know what I mean? It's like, you're so locked in on every feeling and every like sort of maybe kind of symptom of either like getting your period or not. And it just, it, it's hard to escape your, your mind during those times because you're like living it so closely. Well, and I don't know about you, like before I started trying to get pregnant, I didn't really pay attention to my body as much. Like, you know, I knew like, oh, okay, I, I've cried for no reason. So I'll probably get my period tomorrow. <laughs> but then when you do, when you're trying to get pregnant, you notice every single detail or feeling or whatever you're experiencing. And, and that was, in, that was an interesting thing to me that I almost am like, why don't they teach us this? in not high school, maybe, I don't know, but why don't they teach us this in college at some point to like actually understand our bodies and how hard it is to actually get pregnant. Like, no, just having sex one time, you're probably not going to get pregnant, you know, right? like there's science behind it. And I just, that part to me was like interesting because I had never really paid attention to it that much. But then when you're doing this, you're paying attention to every detail and you know, like, okay, it's probably not, it probably didn't work this month. Well, and this sounds horrible, but some of like the most intense, like female sex education I had was in this horrible rhythm method class that I had to take to get married in the Catholic church, Oh, you know, where they're like, you're literally in this room with like this church woman and she's explaining to you cervical mucus. And I'm like, why am I here? My God, why am I here? And, and in that case, they're like trying to teach you to like use birth control to whatever but I was just like I can't believe this is the first time I'm hearing the like (laughs) words in this like creepy church class it was probably like a brick room yes and you're around oh you've never talked to these people before no no it was like like Turner was actually slightly horrified by the whole thing because he's like I'm trying to figure (laughs) out why these people like think that they can talk to me about this right oh my gosh at least you can laugh about it now Hopefully. Yeah, no, it's like, you're right. There are some like various changes that happen. And there is like, there is like a certain rhythm, for lack of a better word, to this (laughs) whole thing. (laughs) I'm going to refer to it as that from now on. Ew. (laughs) Okay, so did when when you're hearing your doctor say, this is the issue that I'm noticing, these are where my concerns lie. And I think this is the direction you need to go. Like, what were your immediate first thoughts about that? we were on our couch and Jason was listening. And as soon as I hung up, I just started crying, even though I knew that's what she was going to say. Like, I knew that's what she was going to tell me that that's the path that we were going to have to go down. It's just once you actually hear like, okay, we're going to have to take on this journey that could work out or it might not or whatever. How am I, how's my body going to react? How am I going to react mentally? And so I remember I texted a few people right away that I had been been telling and sharing, you know, that, Hey, I'm seeing a doctor. And like my sister-in-law was like, Hey, my friend went through IVF. You want me to give her your number? I'm like, sure. She literally called me like 30 minutes later. 
we had the best conversation about what she did. And already right then I felt so much better because I'm like, okay, at least I have this person I can reach out to. And right away, I I just had a feeling that that was probably what we were going to have to do. And so again, like set the stage for us here that your doctor's given you the okay to like get around the whole elective thing. But like you knew that going forward, all your procedures were going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. It's like some people are like, it was probably nice to do this during a pandemic because you didn't really have to see anyone. And I'm like, no, I think I would have much rather have done it at like a normal time. But she tells us, you know, here's what we have to do. And before you do it, you have to, you know, do some blood work and you have to track your cycle. Like you actually have to be on birth control for a while so they can oh. level off your your hormones. And then you go off birth control, you get your period, and then you start your, your shots. And so we got all those ordered and kind of figured out, you know, a schedule and then just went from there. And then what happens is, once you start taking the shots, you actually go to the clinic like every other day because you need to get your blood drawn. You need to see where your hormone levels are at and you need to do an ultrasound to see how many follicles you have and make sure your ovaries aren't like exploding and how your body's reacting. For those, Jason would drive me to the clinic and I would just go up by myself and they really wouldn't laugh. It would be like a 20 minute appointment and I would just come back down and we'd go on our merry way and then maybe like two hours later, they would tell me my results. And if something changed, then you would change your medication or you would need to, you know, figure out what you needed to do next. But fortunately, I never had to change anything the first time. So yeah, it was, it was weird to go in by yourself and you had to wait in your car for them to call you up. And I was like the only one in there, you know, it's not like, I kind of enjoyed it though. Like, I don't know about you. I always, always hated waiting in a waiting room because it seems like it lasts forever. <laughs> yeah. are very punctual this way, like seven fifteen. Okay. I got to call it seven fifteen. Like we're ready for you to come up. And it was very efficient and they were all really wonderful. And I'm really grateful that they kept going you know, through the pandemic. If I know you and Jason, I feel like those car rides to and from are memorable. You know what I mean? Like I I imagine some of them, you're just like, you've got a playlist for them. And then others, you like really have some conversations (laughs) that are memorable to this day. Well, I'll be honest. I had so much anxiety through this whole process. And every appointment that you're going to is just, you're just praying everything looks normal and you just want it to be going in the right direction. So honestly, I feel like sometimes I probably didn't even talk on the way there because I was please let everything look good. And he would, there's a, a really good smoothie place that's around the corner from my clinic. So he would just always go get me a smoothie while (laughs) I was, you know, in the appointment and then he would have it waiting for me. And I, I, I was fortunate to get every, good news at every appointment. So I would come down and be super happy. And then, you know, we'd talk about that and yeah, but I don't know if there was a time where I probably was like, please turn your music off. <laughs> <laughs> How is your body responding to these treatments? Cause it's it, like, from what I hear, it's pretty intense. You're like really making your body do some stuff. Yeah. So it's super interesting how your body reacts. So I did all the shots in the beginning are in like your lower stomach. And so they're, what they're trying to do is to grow as many follicles. So you can produce as many eggs as possible 
before they go and retrieve them. So you get super bloated. Your ovaries get really big. Like normally they're the size of your thumb. And when you do IVF, they're like, they can grow to be like the size of a tennis ball. Okay. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? And so at one point they're like, you might feel them. And I was like, I do not. <laughs> like I do not want to be walking around and be like, oh, those are maybe my ovaries. And fortunately, I that did not that never happened to me. But I just got super bloated. Yeah. And then at some point they get worried because they don't want your ovaries to get so big because they can actually twist, which sounds awful, awful, awful. I I cannot imagine experiencing that. Oh my God. So they have you start eating, which this was fun for me because I was eating super healthy and on a super strict diet throughout this whole process. But so then at that point, they're like, we need you to start eating chips and and eating like beef jerky and all these salty foods. Cause they, you know, they didn't want you to get, they, they wanted to kind of like dehydrate your body. So you wouldn't have I should know the exact term. It's like overstimulation basically of your ovaries. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's the weirdest part is like just being super bloated and that happens pretty early on. So each round, I think I took shots for 10 days. And then once you reach a certain point and all of your follicles are a certain size, then you get what's called the trigger shot. And that one goes like in your butt and it's huge. The needle is very large, but then you get like even more bloated over the next like 48 hours and you, or is it 36, whatever it is, you need to take the shot at exactly like 830 because at, at, in 36 hours is when they'll retrieve the eggs. Wow. From that point, you got to just be really careful. Like, you know, obviously no jumping around. Like I didn't do any running while I was doing this, like just walks. And even toward the end, they're like, maybe don't even go on a walk. You know, you don't want to rock the boat too much. So yeah, that's, that for me was the weirdest part was the bloating. I didn't really have too many other side effects. Like I know some people experience different things or they get really tired or they get headaches. I never had any of that. It was most, it was really just the bloating. Okay. Jason was giving you the shots, right? So mm-hmm. like, how did he learn to do that? Cause it's, he wasn't allowed in the appointment. So is there like a zoom class for giving your wife the shots? No, there, there, are, there are these videos <sighs> and they were probably made like 15 years ago. <laughs> oh my like, God. I almost oh my wanted God. to volunteer our services and be like, would you like us to? Yes. We are a lovely television couple. <laughs> <laughs> But um, we figured it out. And I, the first time, so there was one medication that we had to pay for out of pocket. So of course that one, you're like, okay, let's be very, very careful with this one. And like the very first time he gave me a shot, like he, he put it in the syringe and then he went to like, get it right to the right level. And then like a bunch squirted out. <laughs> we're like, okay. So we had to do that again. But that's what, then when we, we like got the hang of it. Um, it was fine. And we figured out a rhythm and, you know, I would like ice my stomach for a little bit. Then he'd do the shot and I'd ice again. And there was only one shot that was uncomfortable and it was only when he was injecting it. And I would just take like a super deep breath and then it would be done. But otherwise that part, like we really figured it out. And after a while it, it really wasn't that bad. And actually after the second round, I did like a mock uh, trial where I had to do some shots and I was working out in the field at that time and I had to take them at night and I was working night side so I would like pack them in a cooler 
And wherever I would be, I would have to do the shot, like in random bathrooms. Like I covered a protest one night and I was like, I told my security guard, like, hey, we have to find a bathroom (laughs) because I have to take a shot by like nine o'clock or whatever. So I just always had this little like lunch bag full of ice packs because you have to keep them cold and that would come with me. So I did a few of them by myself when, when I wasn't able to be at home. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm actually mad. I never like took any pictures of where I did it because there were some (laughs) places where I was like, I cannot believe that I'm doing this in this bathroom. And if someone comes in, they're going to be like, what is this woman doing? Like, why does she have all these supplies? It's like uh, a little preview to pumping in like the airport bathroom. (laughs) You're like, I know why I'm doing this and it's important, but my God, this is weird. Yeah, so weird. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. The one we interviewed some guy in the middle of nowhere, maybe like population 400. That was my story that day. And we went to like the one bathroom in town and it was also like a restaurant or whatever, but (laughs) it was just like of all the places where I'm doing this, this. I mean, at least it made it memorable. Yeah. I imagine I would like talk to myself and be like, all right, baby, you better be really (laughs) cute. You better be. I always say that. I say he better (laughs) never talk back to me. He better never be mean to me. Like he better always be so kind to me after all of this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you get to the trigger shot. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you have 36 hours. So what happens at the 36 hour mark? So you have to be at the clinic. Um, and our that in Chicago, yeah, our clinic is in Chicago. So our, our, um, clinic has a partner is partnered with Chicago. So my doctor that I was seeing in Milwaukee actually was there that day. And she was the one that did the egg retrieval. And so they put you in a gown and then they wheel you into a room and they put you under and which actually was, I'm glad because it made the procedure obviously go by really fast. you you have no idea what's going on. And then as you're waking up, they say, you have 11 eggs. And you're like, okay, awesome. And then they give you a piece of paper that says it as well, because you forget (laughs) what they tell you. And then, and then you can't drive, obviously. So you leave. And then after that, um, the next day, they call and say how many of the eggs fertilized and how many were mature. And for me, that number was nine, which was a good, nice number. Um, But from there, the number kind of dwindles and and everyone's different. Some people might end up with nine embryos, but it usually cuts in half as the time goes on and then in half again. So I was hoping I would have two embryos Um, and that that process takes about a week. And then they call you and tell you, you know, how many made it through all the way. And and then we ended up with one embryo from that. So was that retrieval, was that painful at all? Some people do have some um, pain the next morning. They recommend you like take the day off or whatever. When you get home, just lay around. And I never really had any like cramping, maybe just a little bit, you know, you're still super bloated, but other than that, I just kind of binge watch shows and ate food that I yeah. want to eat for a long time. <laughs> and um, yeah, but some people do experience, you know, some pain and some bleeding. And so you do have to monitor, you know, what's happening. And, and my nurse called the next day just to see, you know, what I was experiencing, but I was fortunate that I really didn't have any major complications from it. And so from there you repeated the process to get that second embryo. 
We also, we did genetic testing on our embryo. Doctor recommended that we do because we only ended up with one and, you know, they just want to make sure that we have a healthy embryo. So it's really crazy. They can just take a little sample of the embryo and send it off for testing and check for everything that they would normally check for when you're early on in your pregnancy and do, you know, a genetic blood test. So they check for, you know, Down syndrome or any other abnormalities and they can even tell the gender. So we knew in June that it was a boy, which was so crazy. Um, so yeah, that takes about two weeks and then they call you with those results and, and we got good news with that one. So that was awesome. And then we had like a video conference with our doctor and that's when she suggested that we do a second round for the future or in case this one, when we did the transfer, it didn't work. So how did that feel to hear? I mean, were you like, no, come on, like, let's go. Like, let's oh get this boy going. Yes. Oh, I remember it so vividly. We were sitting out on our patio. It was a nice day. And she told me, and I tried to act like, oh, okay, this is whatever. It's part of the process. But as soon, again, as soon as I got off with her, I just started crying. And I'm like, it just, I'm like, are we ever going to get there? Like, is this ever going to happen? You know, we, we get this good news and then there's like, not, you know, we could have chosen, we could have decided like, we're going to move forward with the one. We're not going to do a second one. But again, I was like, I need to listen to her, you know? And, and so once I got past the fact that, okay, it's just going to take a little bit more time, but I know this is the right decision. Then I was fine with it. And I was like, all right, let's just do what we have to do. Okay. And so what was the result of the second one? I had 11 eggs again, nine were mature. It was like the same exact thing, but we do have an abnormality with the second embryo. It's a boy as well. And he has an extra chromosome five, which my doctor explained it. Like if, cause we, we still have, we've decided that we're going to, we're going to try in the future with him as well. But my doctor said it would likely end in a miscarriage if it works and we make it all the way through our pregnancy, he would be fine. There would, there wouldn't be anything wrong with him. It's just, it's like called mosaic mosaicism. Um, and basically she said it would likely end in a miscarriage, but I've done some, you know, research and there has been cases where it's worked out all of the way. So okay. we'll see how that all pans out. But yeah, that was another moment where I was just like, <laughs> are you kidding? And she, my doctor was, she's so sweet. I love her so much, but We started a video conference, you know, talking about next steps with um, the first embryo. And then she was like, did Jesse call you? And Jesse's the genetic counselor. And I was like, she must not have good news because the way she's saying it, you know, it's just, and then she was, you know, explained what was going on. I tried really hard not to cry, but it's just hard, you know, because you only have the one and, and you feel bad. You feel sad. You're like, oh no, you know, I, I. I only have so many and who knows if this first one's even going to work. So that was hard, but we moved on then to the next step. (laughs) What was the next step? When I was going through my second round of shots and, you know, you go in for for the blood draws and the ultrasounds every other day. When I was in for one of the ultrasounds, the nurse was like, something looks off with your uterus. And I was like, of course it does. Like, why wouldn't it look off? You know, I've had all these other tests and all these ultrasounds. And she 
just had a scan and then my doctor was like, well, we'll have to do like a more thorough scan once you're done with the uh, egg retrieval. So I went back after the second egg retrieval and she, um, they did a saline solution ultrasound. If anyone has ever experienced those, those are not that much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can see, you know, if you, if I had polyps or any type of anything that might cause concern and she wasn't able to tell specifically if I did have polyps, but it did look different. So my doctor was like, okay, I'd like to, you know, have a procedure to remove them. And she was like, and while we do that, I'd like to do something called an ERA where they take a swab of my uterus and they send that to genetic testing and they can see exactly how much progesterone I would need. And progesterone helps for the baby to stick. So the normal protocol is maybe a woman would be on progesterone for six days before they do the implantation of the embryo, but it turned out I needed seven days. And so that ended up being like a major blessing in disguise that this nurse, you know, saw that there was a little something off because then they were able to see that I needed to have progesterone for seven days instead of six. So once we got those results, then we decided she was like, okay, you could do a third round if you'd like. And at that point I was like, I just want to be pregnant. Like I just need to get to that point. And so we just decided we would move forward with the one embryo and see how it turned out. And, and then we um, scheduled our transfer. First of all, I'm like, my mind is blown by the science here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like incredible. Incredible. Yeah. When she told me that I was like, wait, what? You know, like just this simple test can make such a huge difference. And maybe it would have worked if I hadn't had that information, but it might not have. And so, you know, knowing that made that much of a difference. I was like, I'm so glad that we did that and that she recommended it because it's, it's something that has been done, but it's kind of, um, it hasn't been done as frequently as I think it will be in the future. I think they'll probably recommend it for probably everyone. I mean, you might as well, if you, some insurance, obviously you got to see what covered, what is covered and that sort of thing. But yeah, it made a huge difference and it's just so crazy how they can tell that. Yeah. You know, looking back now, like all the pieces have fallen into place and there's like so much comfort in that. I just, I just imagine going through it. You're like, you'd already gone through the year of trying. Now you're in the second, you know, retrieval and you're waiting and the waiting and the waiting and the waiting. And then meanwhile, you have friends getting pregnant and babies are being born. And do you remember any like particularly like difficult moments where you're like, just someone hand me a baby like right now. Oh, yeah. I feel like there were so many Yeah, and, and it's hard, right? Cause you want to be so happy for the people in your circle and that you care about, but it is hard. And especially with social media, I actually just deleted all my apps when I was going through IVF because I was like, I just don't need that feeling of, okay, is this ever going to work for me? You know? there was so many times, you know, it's hard, like going to baby showers and, and, and to be honest, mother's day is one of the hardest days. Yeah. People post pictures of their families and that, that was a hard day for me. I, I remember I was just like, okay, I can't look anymore, you know? I, Cause at that point I was like, I don't know if this will, this will ever be something that I get to experience. Well, mother's day is right around the corner. This yeah, is my mother's yeah. day episode. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I am really grateful that, you know, I'm pregnant right now. And yeah. I've already, I suggested to Jason, I was like, well, I mean, I can get, I'll probably just get it for myself, but I'm definitely going to get a prenatal massage. So I'm like, if he doesn't <laughs> a hint, like <laughs> hopefully he does. <laughs> Loud and clear. <laughs> okay. So we'll, we'll just go off the, off the beaten path for a second here. Like yeah. Mother's day. Like what is, what does it mean to you to, to, to think ahead to this day that had caused you pain before? And now there's going to be a celebration. I don't know. And, and this is the hard part with IVF. And I think anyone who has experienced infertility, I'm still so nervous about everything. Like I still really haven't let myself relax, even though this week we had our 20 week scan and he's great. <laughs> everything looks perfect. There's still just this part of me that's like, okay, I, I don't want to celebrate too much. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. I, and I'm, I'm hoping that, that we get past that at some point. And it's definitely like, as time has gone on and things are going well, you know, that is starting to get pushed to the side, but yeah, I, I think it'll feel really, I don't know how I'll feel. I'm sure I'll cry and just be so grateful. Like I'm honestly, I'm gonna cry now, but I'm just so grateful that this worked. You wrote this letter to your baby boy and, and edited a beautiful video to go along with it. And that first sentence, just like it speaks to you because you say like, hi, I'm your mom. I can't believe I'm saying it. I'm your mom. Mm -hmm. Like that's a weird thing to say, right? Yeah. You know, it's just, and I feel so lucky to be his mom and I'm so glad that I get to say that and to experience experience what I've already experienced up to this point. And, and I've had amazing friends along this journey. And, and one of my friends would always remind me, like, you know, even before I was pregnant, she was like, you're already such a good mom. Like you're already doing all of these things to try to make it work. And, and I appreciated her saying that obviously it's not the same thing, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm glad that I'm like, you know, doing these things. And it's so nice that you say that, but I can't wait to actually be one, you know, even just being pregnant is like been the best coolest thing ever and I can like I've been able to feel him the last few weeks and I I honestly laugh out loud like smile every time I feel it because I'm like I just can't believe this is happening and I just want to be so grateful for every moment and remind myself like these are the moments like you 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 prayed for I would write in my journals like I will become pregnant like a million times you know and so the fact that it's here and I just feel so grateful and I'm so happy that I get to say that I am someone's mom. Yeah. Having people in your life who are going through IVF is I think confusing for like a friend. So Mm -hmm. for example, like I knew that you guys were trying, I knew that you guys were going through IVF, you know, it was the kind of things where it was just like little kind of tidbits were kind of dropped. And so you kind of like knew something was going on. But it's like, you never knew when it was okay to ask mm-hmm. or okay to even just like send like a well wish because you were always worried that that was the day yeah. you had gotten some news. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what's, I guess, your advice to someone who knows someone who's going through this? That's a really good question. I think it's different. Like I'm one of those people, like I appreciate it. And I had so many people reach out. Like I, I told my like core group of girlfriends, you know, early on that I was going through this and I would get flower deliveries 
and cards and little bracelets. And I would wear those to all the appointments and, you know, just get texts like, Hey, how's everything going? And that made such a huge difference. And I really think that helped change me as like a person and as a, the kind of friend that I wanted to be, because I remembered how much it meant. And, and I, I'm sure everyone's different because right. You don't want to, you don't want to text sure. someone when, maybe having a bad day, but I have to say like, anytime I got a text, it meant so much to me, even just to know that someone was thinking, thinking about me. And and I would go on like long walks because there was nothing else to do during the pandemic. <laughs> and I would think like, Oh my God, my kid is so lucky. Like he's so lucky that all of these people are thinking about him and want him to be here. Like I would get emotional on my walks and be like, hopefully no one's seeing me right now. (laughs) I appreciated the support. And so I would say, you know, if there is someone in your life, I don't think it hurts. I think it means a lot for people to reach out and honestly, even just say, Hey, I'm thinking about you. How are things going? Or, you know, is there anything I can help with? Which, you know, maybe there's not, but you know, I have to say like, anytime I got a text, I, I felt happy and and it meant a lot that people were even thinking about us. So talk me through then, um, like the days leading up to implantation, like what, what does that process all look like? Yeah. So I, in addition to seeing my, um, fertility doctor, she suggested that I do acupuncture Oh, and I'm really fortunate that just down the street for me, like literally five minutes is the only certified fertility acupuncturist in Wisconsin. And I would go to her once a week. Yeah. Once a week leading up to it. And she also was really helpful with my diet. So she put me or suggested, she didn't say like, you have to do these things, but just suggested, you know, how I could change my diet to give my body like the best chance of making it work. So leading up to that, I did a lot of acupuncture. I was on this really weird diet. I drank a lot of bone broth and some other weird recipes that honestly, like, I still can't believe I was eating some of the food that I was eating, but I was like, whatever I told her, I was like, if you told me to get naked and run down the street and yell something crazy, but it would help me get pregnant. Like I would do it. (laughs) (laughs) So anything she told me I did because I was, I trusted her so much. So I did, I did that. And I did a lot of like meditating and yoga and long walks and journaling. I did all of that stuff. And I think it helped a lot just with my mental health, because obviously your body's changing, but it's really way more mental, like way more. And then we found out our transfer is going to be December 18th, which was the last transfer date of 2020. So that was kind of cool. And I was lucky that my appointment was right away in the morning. So I didn't have to wait, um, you know, all day wondering if it was going to work. And then you can actually have the option to do acupuncture at the clinic. And this is separate from the acupuncturist I was seeing. So I actually did acupuncture that morning. And then when they do the transfer, they don't have to put you under for that. Okay. You have to be awake, which is super cool. And normally in normal years, when there's not a pandemic, your partner can be in the room with you, but Jason couldn't be. So they just had me take a video, but it's super cool. You like see the embryo on the screen and then they explain, you know, it's where it's going. And then you watch the catheter, like in your uterus, it's just this bright white light. And the nurse was like, just watch right there. That's 
where it is that's and it's like she's like she explained it, it's like a shooting star and you just see like a quick flash of light and she's like that was it <laughs> and you're like okay wow and then you just think okay please 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 stick please stick around and and then it actually and did acupuncture right after it as well wow I don't know really what the science is behind it but again I was like if you guys say I should do this I'm doing it whatever wow I'm imagining though like so much pressure on you though oh my gosh you know so what much. I mean like the diet the keeping your mind right the acupuncture like all of those things were good for you, but like you're fighting this pressure. Yeah. I, there is so much pressure. And I think as women, and I think even though if a guy was going through it too, they would feel the same, but you do, you do, you feel like, okay, I have to do everything right. I want this to work. I need to make sure I'm doing X, Y, and Z every single day. And I think sometimes I'm sure I could have had a an ice cream cone and it would have been just fine, but I really wouldn't let myself because I was like, I want to give myself the best possible chance and know that I did everything. But yeah, it definitely weighs on you. And, you know, even when we, I'm sure Jason was like, Oh my gosh, this girl is going crazy because even when we were driving home from the transfer, you know, they, they talk about the baby sticking to your, to your uterus. So we were driving home and we would go over like some bumps and I would be like, oh my God, oh my God, please go around those. Please go around those. <laughs> like yeah. anything and everything. I was like, oh my gosh, it didn't, what if it like bounced around in there and didn't work or, you know, I was just like so anxious about everything the days after, cause you have to wait 10 days 10 before days. you do a blood test to see if you are pregnant. And a lot of people test early, you know, at home or whatever, but I, I didn't want to, because I was like, what if it says I am, and then I'm not, or what if it says I'm not, but I am, and then I get discouraged. I don't want to have this negative energy. And so those were like definitely the longest 10 days for me, but I think they were longer for Jason. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I don't mind saying it. Like I was crazy. I think I even like when I woke up, I woke up one night and I was hot and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm sure I overheated the baby. It probably, you know, just anything and everything. Like And then it's during a pandemic and it's the holidays. And I'm like, should I see family? What should I do? (laughs) You know? So it's like that combined, it was a really long 10 days, but then it ended up being wonderful in the end. (laughs) Okay. But for real though, 10 days is a long time. (laughs) It's so long. It's so long. And I like tried to stay busy and you know, it was Christmas. So I was like, okay, at least we have the holidays. I can like be wrapping presents or Christmas shopping or whatever. I have these things to look forward to, but it's like in the back of your mind, that's all you're thinking about, you know? Right. So, so you got the news then right before the new year. Uh-huh. Yes. December 28th, Jason was here, but then my mom came for Christmas and then she wanted to stay for that day. And so I went to the doctor that morning. I, I tried to get the earliest possible appointment I could get. I went in at seven 45 <laughs> And I asked the lady, I'm like, so, you know, approximately what time do you think that you will be calling me today? And she was like, well, with the holidays, we're super busy. So it honestly might not be until like five o'clock. And I was like, no, like I cannot, I can't, I cannot wait that long. There's no possible way. And so I called my mom and told her that she'd been staying at a hotel and, and she was like, okay, she was going to go home that day, but she was like, I'm going to stay 
she didn't say this at the time, but afterwards she was like, I was just worried. Like, what if you got bad news and Jason was at work? I didn't want you to find out, you know, by yourself. So I have a zoom meeting every day for work at nine o'clock. And sure enough, right at nine o'clock, as I start my zoom meeting, my other phone rings and it's the clinic. And I'm like, Oh, I do not care about this zoom meeting. At all anymore. <laughs> I muted that as quickly as I could. And I was upstairs and Jason was downstairs. I put the phone on speaker. I ran downstairs. And then she's like, the way she started, I was like, oh, it did not work. It did not work. She was like, hi, Brittany. And I'm like, hi, how are you? you know? <laughs> She's like, is this a good time to go over your results? And I was like, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, you're pregnant. And I'm like, okay, well, thank God. Like the way you started, I was not expecting that to be what was coming next. I know she told me like a few things, but I don't remember. I just remember looking at Jason like, oh my God like it worked like we're, we're pregnant you know we just like smiled and then she said whichever she said I actually messaged her like after the conversation I'm like hi Kelsey I don't remember anything that you said so <laughs> what are some things that I am and am not supposed to be doing right now? right you know with my boys I always found out pretty much like that five week mark or like basically like whenever the pregnancy test can tell you, you know, without like intervention or whatever, I can't imagine finding out at 10 days. I mean, like talk about world's longest pregnancy. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, like instantly know that. And that's the other part too. Right. Cause then you feel like, okay, there's, there's people that knew I was doing the transfer that day. So they knew I was going to find out that day. So obviously they were all like waiting for me to, you know, share the news. But the thing that's so crazy is I was technically four weeks pregnant at that point with the way okay everything that happens and the, the development that happens with the embryo, like that would all normally be taking place in your body. Oh, so I was four weeks pregnant, even though the baby had only been back with me for 10 days. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, that was a weird, but for me, I was like, okay, woo, I'm already four weeks along. Like that was, you know, a nice kind of jump start. But yeah, at first I was kind of confused as well. Yeah, I'm slightly yeah. jealous of anyone who finds out that they're pregnant at like 10 weeks. Cause I'm like, oh, like that would have been a yeah. dream. Cause you're just like walking around pregnant and you're just oh like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. Not worried about anything. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. That sounds so nice. Nope. I knew like by the, by the minute when it was happening. So a lot of this journey, you guys are documenting for yourselves. Like you have that phone call on camera and you have like some of the shots and some of the procedures on camera. Yeah. So the reason I actually had that phone call, I recorded it because Jason wasn't there. It was, he was at work and I was like, well, whatever they say, I want him to be able to hear it too. You know, I want him to be able to experience it. So I recorded, you know, when, when they, when I knew it was them calling with that information and then, yeah, I only recorded the shot one time and I'm glad I did. I wasn't going to, Yeah. but I'm glad that I did. And I kind of wish I would have done it more to be honest, just because it really was such a journey for the both of us. And we did it together. And looking back, I'm like once, and, and putting that story together was the first time I really sat down and like wrote everything out and thought about it. Like, holy cow, we just went through quite a lot 
And when you're in it, you don't stop to think about it because you're just like, what's next? What do I have to do next? You know, how do I make this work? And I wish maybe that I would have taken more videos because it is cool when you think about it. Like my husband was really doing everything he could too to help make it work. Well, in my case, I, um, with Abram, my first, uh, pregnancy, I never like took any like bare belly pictures, which I know like maybe sounds gross. And I was just sort of like, why would I want that? Whatever. And then with Everett, I took them constantly because I'm like, I might never see myself yeah. that way again. You know what I mean? And so like, that's sort of my advice is you can delete the picture later. You know what I mean? Like if you don't want it like later, fine. It's like, you don't know what you want until like you realize like, oh, like that was kind of big. Like, I wish I would have had that sort of thing. Yeah. And then it's too late. Okay. Well, that's good to know because I've really only so far been taking belly pics with clothes on because it's just much cuter that way. Yeah, for sure. But I I do need to start doing the bear because now it's starting to like look like a pregnant belly and I want to make sure that I have all of that. It's weird because I mean, obviously like it still looks just as big and just as round. Like it's, there's something about, I don't know. And cause that picture is not for anybody else, but me, you know, exactly. it's like a memory of like what I went through, you know what I mean? And like, I don't know. Yeah. So but it, yeah. And you don't have it. You're sad. You don't have it. So yeah, yeah I will take the bags. But yeah, I, I imagine it's weird too, because you're like, what if I go through all of this stuff? And I've documented this thing that I went through and then I have nothing to show for it. There's probably just so much fear along the way. Oh, there's so much. There's so many unknowns and and there are so many people that go through it and it doesn't work. And that yeah. like breaks my heart because, you know, I think before I did IVF, I thought, okay, that's what people do to absolutely get pregnant, right? That's the the thing that absolutely works for people. And then as I went through it and realized, no, it's not a guarantee. That's really scary because you don't know how it's going to turn out. And honestly, with every appointment, you're just like, please give me good news and let my hormones be the levels they're supposed to. You know, there's so much waiting. There's so much waiting after the blood drop to get the results, after the retrieval to see how many eggs develop into embryos. And it really is such a process. And I Sometimes I feel not survivor's guilt, but I just, I know there's so many people out there that are still like, is this ever going to work for me? When is it going to be my, when, when is it going to work for me? And I just, it makes me sad that for some people it, it doesn't work. Right. But you were there at some point too. You know what I mean? You were the hopeful one. For sure. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like there's that hope and that definitely is what gets people through this process because without it, like what's the point? (laughs) Right. So what's um, been the best part of being pregnant for you so far? I love it all. I love like finally having a belly. I went to the store today actually, because now I'm like realizing some of my clothes are not anymore. I need to, I needed to go shopping. And I think, you know, every ultrasound has been so cool, but the one that I had this week was the first time Jason has been able to come with me in a year. Oh, And so that was super cool just to see his reaction. And this will make me cry again. But when I was going through all of the IVF, he was super, like I said, positive and he wouldn't let himself like really get emotional because I was already like definitely that for the both of us. And so it's been really cool to see him be able to like actually show his emotions now and get super excited. Like I sent, you know, I'd have to go to my early ultrasounds by myself. So I would send him a picture 
we were with his mom and she wanted to call and tell his, her best friend that we were pregnant. And he was like, Oh, I'm going to send a picture of the ultra, the ultrasound picture. And I was like, Oh, you still have that on your phone. He's like, yeah, I look at it all the time. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God. And then I asked my doctor, my OB, if I could take a video of the heartbeat because he hadn't heard that yet. And I sent that to him too. And he was like, oh yeah, I look at that all the time. And and so for me, that part has been cool. Like for us to like experience this together because a lot of, of the IVF stuff, you know, I was going to the appointments by myself and I was seeing all the things that he wasn't getting to see and the early ultrasounds he wasn't getting to come to. He didn't get to be at the transfer to see, you know, the moment that the baby was back with me, you know, so for us to like be now experiencing it together and for him to be in the um, ultrasound room this week and you know get excited about seeing our baby it's just so cool well it seems like you have the perfect yin to your yang calm versus (laughs) you being more emotional like balance it out very nicely it really does and I'm so uh, very thankful for that okay what are your thoughts on being a boy mom Spoiler alert. It's awesome. (laughs) I'm so excited because I have the cutest nephew. Well, I have multiple nephews, but one of them ace is eight. And so he's just been in our lives for so long and he is just the sweetest thing. And, you know, knowing how sweet he is with his mom and all of us, I'm like, Oh, I'm just so excited. And everyone always says like, boys just love their mom so much. And I'm like, well, this one really better love his mom. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, obviously I don't know any different. I only have two boys. Yeah. Like, I just feel like those boys love me. They just love me. You know, it's just that boy mom sort of connection. And I don't know, there are people I think that were just like made to be boy moms. And yeah. I feel like, I feel like that's me for sure. One unanticipated thing of being a boy mom. And maybe your nephew is like this too had no idea you need to like really learn some dinosaur names and like really commit them to memory. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that. And like, I don't know, car, I don't know anything about cars or, (laughs) or like dump trucks, you know, I don't know about any of that. Your four-year-old yells at you for confusing a backhoe and an excavator. (laughs) Like, what am I doing? Yeah. I feel like I should just get books about that right now. (laughs) Mom, it's a backhoe. Like I'm so I love that he says that and that he has that expression. That's yes. Amazing. Yes. He's horrified. Like, God. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah. I'm excited for all of that. And I have, you know, cousins that have boys and it's, it is kind of nice. I'm already getting a lot of hand-me-downs. Oh yeah. A whole bin of clothes and some Legos and she's going through potty training now. So hearing those stories, I'm like, oh, okay. We'll have a lot to look forward to. <laughs> Oh, yes. (laughs) So what do you think the next couple of months holds for you? Are you guys going to like attempt to like baby moon? How do you want to spend like the last little bit of your pregnancy? Yeah, well, actually, I like booked my summer fall. (laughs) Because we haven't scheduled a baby moon. But honestly, we don't have a weekend. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll figure something out. But yeah, I just I actually decided to get the vaccine. And Jason did too. So, um, you know, we just decided we want to just be around family and friends that we haven't been able to for so long. And like, yeah. you deserve after all of this, just to like, enjoy your pregnancy and being around people and celebrate it. So that's really my, my plan is to just like soak it all up and enjoy every moment and 
and I want it to go by fast, but I don't want it to go by too fast. Yeah. I understand what you mean. Like you're not trying to like sit there in your like swollen ankle mess, but you do want to just be a pregnant lady for a while. Yeah. Especially because I didn't know if I would ever get to, and, and I don't know if I'll get to after this, you know, this might be the one and only, and I just, I want to really enjoy every moment of it. And so that's really what I'm trying to do is just be happy and enjoy it all and soak it all in. Meanwhile, are you dying that like Jason is doing all the nesting for you both? <laughs> like with all of his home renovations? Oh my God, Denise. <laughs> okay. So we bought this house in the middle of the pandemic and it was a lifesaver because it, it, there's so many projects. And I'm, we used to live before this in a small little, it was super cute and I loved it, but it was, it was a small little condo. I don't know how, if we would have even made it out of that thing, I made it out of the pandemic because he has done every morning, like this morning, he pulled out a fence on the side of our yard. Like watched it on Instagram while drinking coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Every morning he's doing something and he got a lot done before I got pregnant. Cause now of course I'm like, well, are you going to paint? I need to be out of town (laughs) or whatever. So yeah, I mean, there's still a lot to go, but yeah, he's, it is really funny and and it's cute. I have this little um, baby journal where I've, you know, you document like what has happened this month or whatever. And I was like, I think you should start writing a little bit in it. And his was so cute. It was like, I'm working really hard to get the house and the yard ready for you. (laughs) I was like, yeah, and the yard part. (laughs) Hey baby, check out these hostas. I mean, he's going to hear how much Buckthorn Jason had to pull out before he came. He's going to hear all of those details. (laughs) Well, are you going to break the news to this baby one day that he could have had a wonderful, like, playhouse slash murder shack oh my gosh no I, so I, I, weird. I wanted to get out of here as soon as possible <laughs> as soon as I I mean I don't know how it's just it's this metal little tin looking shed thing in the corner of our backyard and the people that lived in this house before us they were in their 80s and the neighbor said you know they hadn't done anything with their yard like anything for like 10 years so everything was just super overgrown and there's a bunch of like, it's a wooded area. And then you just have this weird tin shed and you're like, <laughs> what was that for? Like, I, what, what was it for? Why was it in this back corner? So I, I, my one friend suggested painting it and I was like, no, I wanted to get, I don't know what happened in that. And I don't <laughs> want to have any of like the bad juju around. Like, let's just get that thing out of here. <laughs> So be looking for that Instagram video tomorrow. <laughs> okay. I anxiously await that. <laughs> um, as far as you know, like, is delivery going to be normal-ish? Like, it seems like all the hospitals are, like, letting visitors back and everybody's allowed in the delivery room and stuff. Yeah, I, I know, like, I'm sure Jason will be in. I'm hoping my mom can come, but the nurse that we had earlier this week was like, what you, what you really need to do is call and complain a lot that you want to have people. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I was like, normally I'm not that person, but if you're suggesting that I complain <laughs> a lot to try to get my people in the hospital, I guess I will. Yeah. Do you think you're going to report like up until delivery? Like, what do you think? I, that's my plan. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll see what happens. Thankfully, I have the world's nicest, kindest, most understanding boss that ever existed. And while I was going through IVF, I I told him what was happening because it was a really, obviously, you know, the pan, we had the pandemic, but there was also a lot of movement around social justice. And there were a lot of protests in, in our area and 
and I just wanted to avoid being around a lot of people. And he was super awesome about it. But now like they know I'm pregnant, so they're not having me go to places or places, you know, that I might like be at a greater risk to get COVID than Well, even when you talked earlier about like working with your security guard, like that was so interesting to me. Are we use them if we're covering protests or, you know, something that effect, but I like him because he drives us around and he has a cooler in his car. We can put our snacks in. (laughs) That's really like a priority for me is like this as access to food. So, I mean, it's been a weird year and almost, I mean, more than a year now for, I think all of us, everyone, but especially like people that work in news, it's been an intense year. Is there any other tidbits or pieces of advice or nuggets that you would want someone to know if they're going through this right now or planning to, or I don't know, what are some words of wisdom you've given a lot this whole time, but. Yeah, I would just say, don't give up on yourself. And also if you can, cause I was very hard on myself, give yourself some grace. Like what you're going through is really, really, really hard. And, and I don't think that people realize it while they're going through it because they're just, like I said, doing anything they can to make it work. I would just be very kind to yourself and, and, and stay positive even after you might not get great news because hopefully the next appointment you'll get, get good news. And if anyone is listening and they are have questions, like I'd love for people to reach out. I'm more than happy to answer any questions and to be that person to text someone and check in on how their appointments are going because I know how much that means. And and I really want to be there for anyone who might be going through something similar. How can people reach you? I'm on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can find my work email. <laughs> you did that today. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tag you in all these posts. So yeah, yeah. Probably social stuff. media is probably the best way to do it. Um, yeah. But I'm always happy to answer questions. And and I would say just don't give up. It, it can be really, really, really discouraging. Even before you get to the step where you're doing IVF or an IUI, you know, just trying and it not working can be so, so discouraging. But just don't give up because, you know, hopefully the result is where I am and I'm pregnant and having hopefully a very healthy baby in just a few months. You are already a wonderful mom. You drank all the bone broth. I mean, I'm just. (laughs) I actually ended up starting to like it. And I don't know if it was just because like, I just drank it every night. And I like the acupuncture was like, just drink it like tea. So I just like convinced myself, this is just like a nice cup of tea. You're relaxing (laughs) yourself. No, if I don't have to drink it ever again, I'll be fine. (laughs) Well, Brittany, any last words for us? Well, I just want to thank you for having me on and talking about this. I think it's really an important topic and I, and I'm glad that you have this platform for moms of any kind. And like you said, there's, there's really no one way to make a family and or how to become a mom. And I just hope that, you know, people, however you, however it works for you, like that's the most perfect way. I think sometimes when you go through something like this, you feel like there's something wrong with you. You know, I mean, technically there is, I I don't have healthy eggs, but you know, don't get discouraged and just stay hopeful and and know that there are people that are wherever you are that are cheering you on and wanting you to get to whatever place you want to get to. Well, thank you for being so honest with your story. I mean, you can't have a podcast like this without people who are willing to open up and share their experiences. And I, I truly, especially in the last year of this podcast, I've been blown away by like the power of 
just being authentic about your experience, about what's good and what's bad. And well, we all go through stuff, right? Yeah. And I do think it helps along the way if you just say, hey, this happened to me, but I'm on the other side, or hey, I'm still going through this, I could use your support. You know, I think we could all be better about reaching out because that can make such a big difference too. Well, Brittany, happy Mother's Day. Thank you again for sharing everything. And I wish you all the best with baby boy Fechner. Thank you. And happy Mother's Day to you as well. So nice to see you and talk to you. So nice to see you too. My thanks to Brittany for sharing her story. And I hope that it was relatable to you. And that if nothing else, that it helped you better be there for a friend who is going through something similar. So Brittany, thank you. I can't wait to meet that little baby boy. He is so loved. He is so, so loved. And that's that's the beauty of joining this motherhood community is that there's a lot of love to give and a lot of love to go around. So from me to you, happy Mother's Day. I hope you spend Mother's Day in whatever way you want. If you don't want to be around your kids on Mother's Day, it's fine. The thing that I did for myself for Mother's Day, and I did it last year too, is I got a little Mother's Day mini session, a little photo session. I did it with my boys last year, and I did it again this year. And it's something that just makes me happy. I love beautiful professional photos. Shelby Ressler is the photographer that I use most often. She does such beautiful work. I love especially that she gets those somewhat candid moments where it's not just posing. And my boys have the biggest, biggest smiles when she's around. And so that was my gift to myself. So I hope that there's a little something that you can give to yourself because motherhood is hard. Motherhood is awesome. I'm so grateful to be someone's mom. And I'm so grateful that we can talk about it on this podcast. So thank you to my listeners out there. Please share this episode with a friend. You've got to know someone who would benefit from hearing it. So thank you so much for sharing. Follow along with the show on Instagram. It's at on a mother level. I added little highlights at the top of the page so that I can share some of the pictures and things that we talk about. So when Brittany was talking about like the murder shack in the back of her house, I'm going to post a picture in the highlights of what the murder shack was. So all you have to do is click on episode 78 and you can see all of the people, places and things that come up in the episode. And it's kind of cool to follow along that way. Also, if you want to reach out to Brittany, she is also on Instagram, Brittany in MKE, Brittany in Milwaukee. Um, that's where she's a reporter now. That's where her husband works as well. So Brittany, I-N-M-K-E. You can find her on Instagram. And as you heard, she would love if you would reach out if you have any questions or thoughts for her. So thank you again for listening to On a Mother Level. When it comes to parenthood, we can relate. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network.